0: The former big cheese on integrated infrastructure. This week, we'll be talking with Deputy City Manager of Integrated Infrastructure, Adam Lachlan.
1: You may know him from such hits as being the city manager last year.
0: Hi, I'm Troy. I'm Mac. And we're Speaking Municipally. Municipally. Welcome back to Speaking Municipally, episode 128, where perhaps... I teased it a little big last week. I got a couple messages saying, oh my God, you got Mike Nickel! You're going to have <laughs> such a dramatic show. S- sorry, guys. And temper your expectations next time. Come on. Just come on. On to the rapid fire. After COVID previously interrupted them, the city of Edmonton's free big bin events are back. The events allow residents to freely drop off unwanted items that are too big for their home, like mattresses, couches, and other large possessions without paying eco station fees. In a release, the city talked about their excitement to bring these events back, saying, quote, it's not just Edmontonians that use these events. We at the city also use these events to offload large things that we don't want anymore. This year, we're excited to have a free place to throw out our mature neighborhood pools that we stopped caring about long ago and have just
1: been languishing, end quote. After a brief cancellation, the helicopter-based program to control the mosquito population has been reinstated for 2021. This comes after councillors complained about a swarm of constituent emails and phone calls that left councillors feeling drained. Said mover Sarah Hamilton, we're hoping to take a bite out of this population. Having more of them this year would suck. From flatten the curve to bend the curve to stop the spike, Alberta's
0: goals for controlling the pandemic have become progressively less and less ambitious. But, and I'll just pause for a moment to say, let me be clear. This will be
1: Alberta's best summer ever. Speaking municipally is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. This episode is brought to you by Writing is Your Nature, a live online masterclass for nature, environment, and outdoor writers created by Pandemic University and the Yellowstone to Yukon Conservation Initiative. Running from May 11th to the 25th, Writing is Your Nature was designed to sharpen your nonfiction writing through the lens of ecology and conservation. It's free and open to the public to learn from guest professors like Chris Turner, a best-selling author and leading voice on the climate crisis, and Sarah Gilman, an MIT Knight Science Journalism Fellow who will break down how to pitch and get paid to write science and nature stories. You can register for the masterclass series at pandemicuniversity.com. Pandemic University is an Alberta-made virtual writing school on a mission to dull the impact of COVID-19 for professional and emerging writers alike. Head to pandemicuniversity.com to register now. We're not going to waste
0: any time off the top because we've got a pretty exciting guest, the former interim city manager, now uh, deputy city manager of Integrated
1: Infrastructure Services, Adam Lachlan. Yeah, Adam is a professional engineer. He's been with the city of Edmonton since 2005 and held a number of different positions there. He was the uh, DCM in Integrated Infrastructure Services prior to stepping into the big chair to be the city manager after Linda Cochran retired. And uh, and now with uh, Andre Corbold on board, he's back in his previous role. Welcome to the show, Adam.
2: Thank you. It's uh, great to be here.
1: We're very excited to learn a little bit more about you and ask you a bunch of questions about some of the news this week. Uh, but first of all, maybe you can tell us the most important question. Do you live in Edmonton?
2: I do not live in Edmonton, no. I, uh, I live in one of the wonderful neighbouring municipalities in the region. Uh, I live in Sherwood Park.
0: Uh, oh, okay. Woo! Avoided that St. Albert by just a little bit. Woo, <laughs> that was
2: close. We've been out here for a number of years um, and we have other family members out here. So we are uh, a big family group. So i uh, like to stay close to them. Certainly enjoy the region uh, that is Edmonton.
1: Well, it's a good thing we're the Edmonton region, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Can you tell us a bit about your role? What does the Deputy City Manager of Integrated Infrastructure Services do?
2: Great question. Um, so our department uh, was uh, formed or, or pulled together uh, in 2016. And uh, I was fortunate to be at least to begin with uh, involved with p- uh, pulling together the different infrastructure arms at the city of Edmonton under the umbrella of of this department and and again fortunate to be named the permanent deputy city manager of the department and so over 2016 until now we've been essentially transforming how we approach infrastructure delivery so my role is to lead a department of of approximately 600 employees that carries out all concept planning design and construction oversight for um, the city of Edmonton's capital infrastructure projects. That's roughly a billion dollars per year over the four-year capital budget that's been approved for 19 to 22. And we're made up of professional engineers, project managers, architects, landscape architects. And so our folks uh, do all that stewardship of the planning, design and build of uh, city infrastructure. And just to cl- just to confirm or to clarify, I suppose this
1: uh, integration and and this change that you referred to in 2016 is really about making sure that there's one department responsible for this because it used to be separate departments, right? And there was criticism about how the city handled projects. Is that fair?
2: The, that's correct. The The approach that we took in twenty uh, late 2015 into 2016 was to consolidate different infrastructure arms that the city had at the time to create a more... Um, aligned approach to infrastructure delivery. So for example, uh, when we go into a neighborhood and and undertake neighborhood renewal, that we have considerations related to the open space elements or the active transportation elements, or the if there's any facility improvements that that are needed uh, or make sense to be completed as part of that neighborhood renewal, that we're doing it with a holistic mindset. And, And again, right from the planning and design uh, through to implementation. So um, it it really takes a focused effort to ensure that everything we're doing, and it's in the title of our department, is integrated to make sure that it is a holistic approach to infrastructure delivery.
1: And solve that uh, rip up the brand new sidewalk to put in pipes problem that people might have in their heads.
2: Well, uh, we we do our best. You know, the unfortunate part of that is that we, we don't control All of the utility companies, uh, we do our best to coordinate that. uh, But it's a big city, lots of projects, lots of different issues come up. uh, But yes, we do our best to try and minimize that impact.
0: So speaking of the big city, you said you managed around 600 employees right now. That's down from, I think, just over 15,000 at the end of 2019, when you were tapped to be interim city manager after... Our previous city manager retired. For what's it like to step down from that job and step back? Because you previously had quite a lot of experience, and now have maybe slightly less.
2: Well, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't say less experience. I think infrastructure, although uh, less staff six hundred employees, um, just as many um, opportunities and challenges uh, in, in the infrastructure business. But but certainly in the interim city manager role, you know, I think it ranges between thirteen thousand and fifteen thousand employees at the city of Edmonton it was a tremendous experience I think when I agreed to take on the role obviously we didn't none of us could have anticipated experiencing a pandemic and uh, what came with it but a very rewarding experience in terms of coming back to IIS it, it was about 18 months actually since I've been in in the role as a project manager through and through it was like getting back to the dream job not many folks In my profession, uh, get the fortune to manage or lead a department that on an annual basis is responsible for a billion dollars of infrastructure. So it's been great coming back, and it's like uh, being able to geek out on infrastructure again, which is great.
0: We'll talk about a couple of those highlights in a second, but I think the big question is Did you want to continue that job as interim city manager? Were you in the running for um, the new city manager role, or did you step back and? say, eh, choose someone else?
2: I, I certainly considered it. And um, I think uh, one of the things based on where I'm at in my career, I think uh, I ended up in the right spot and back in infrastructure to just allow my career to continue to grow, which is great. I love working for the city of Edmonton. And, and as I said, I love, uh, I love the role that I'm currently in because uh, I grew up as a project manager and in that space, nothing better than leading the department that delivers projects.
1: You uh, seem to have a pretty good relationship, or at least a good rapport, with Mayor Iveson and and many members of council. How how was that experience for you? And and you mentioned some of those difficult days. I know you had the unfortunate task of telling people that they had lost their jobs, for instance, during the pandemic. And and I think you and the mayor handled that very well, as well as could have been handled. But but what was it like, you know, going through a crisis with with those elected officials?
2: Well, I, firstly, I. I I really appreciated the the trust that they showed in myself and the executive leadership team. And I think one thing that I really appreciated was the support um, that I had from Council, Mayor Iveson, and the executive leadership team. They were phenomenal. I I had support uh, throughout this and decisions were made as a team. And and I felt like uh, during this, it it was a a team environment with Council as well. So that, that made it a lot easier in terms of some of those tough decisions.
0: You mentioned some of the um, trust that council and executive leadership had placed in you. And I think none of that was as clear as during the early days of the pandemic when we had a declared state of emergency. And I think it's fair to say you were the most powerful city manager Edmonton has seen in recent history because you were enfranchised by the Emergency Act to go ahead and just make decisions without waiting for council approval. Did you, at some point, sort of like that? Was there at some point (laughs) where you saw, I know we as observers saw, oh my goodness, things are getting done so fast that would have taken forever. I'm thinking even just like the active transportation lanes where we closed a lane on Saskatchewan Drive, closed neighborhood streets. That stuff would never happen in regular times, just with a snap of the fingers, but COVID made it happen. Was there a part of you that really enjoyed that quick, nimble city? And is that maybe something we should pursue more?
2: You know, considering the the state of local emergency, I think more of that was just making sure that we were doing everything in our power to keep Edmontonians safe. And so it it felt, you know, not so much like power, but a, a requirement to do what was necessary to ensure safety of Edmontonians. I think what it did highlight which I think was true before the state of local emergency was implemented is is just how nimble administration can be in in decision making and very proud again of of how our employees responded to that that call of of thinking differently and and reimagining how we would uh, advance our work I I, th- I think a uh, lesson learned is that uh, things come at you fast and uh, it takes some creative thinking to to respond to that and and I think we we showed that in spades.
1: So since you no longer report to council, I think you can tell us the honest answer here. Do you think council appreciates that? Do you think the lesson for them was that administration can be nimble and and make those kinds of decisions or do you think we're going to go back to kind of the way
2: it was? I, I do believe council, mayor and council recognize that that administration can be nimble. I think what it's shown is that uh through empowerment uh, and continue to be fostered through our new city manager, Andre, that we we can um, look at, at issues and, and be creative around decision making. And, and I think, you know, the work that we've done at the city to reduce red tape and the work by some of my colleagues, some of my DCM counterparts to really enable either business or internally from a corporate service perspective or from a citizen service perspective, they've they've all taken steps to to be nimble and, and empower our, our staff. I think council recognizes that, and over the past, I want to say uh, six months, they've they've really jumped at that. Uh, I, I would say our city council has. But in saying that, there's still a need to ensure that we are robust in the work that we do in terms of engagement and consultation and. Uh, risk and making sure that we manage risk appropriately. But uh, I think what we've, w- from my perspective, I think what we've seen from council is uh, a, a willingness for administration to push the envelope and, and we're doing that.
1: When you uh, were tapped on the shoulder to step into the role, how long were you
2: expecting that you'd be the
1: interim city manager? Because I think they delayed some of the recruitment because of the pandemic, right?
2: That's correct. I, I, I anticipated that it would have been a, a three to six month assignment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it ended up being twice as long as I thought it was going to be, but, uh, right. but again, very rewarding. And then
1: we get into January and Andre Korbold takes over. Uh, presumably there was some handover from you to him, but I'm, I'm wondering if there was any sort of key advice you offered him when he started. It's sort of sort of awkward, I suppose, to be handing your role to your new boss.
2: Uh, actually, it, it wasn't. Um, Andre was great coming in. Uh, we, we prepared a transition package for him and I think he mentioned it actually when he was on on your show previously that uh, that was a a great transition package that we prepared for him and I spent a number of meetings with Andre just walking through uh, some of the issues and some of the 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 work that we had planned the work plan that we had planned for the executive leadership team it felt very comfortable that transition felt very comfortable so we're we're moving forward and and uh, it was a pretty seamless transition
1: one thing uh, that stood out for me uh, over the last year in your your role there is we saw a lot of you. There was news conferences all the time. You were always at the podium on the microphone. And then obviously that stopped when Andre came on board, but you were back in front of the microphone this week talking about the 2021 construction season. I think that was your first news conference, right? Since since the beginning of the year, is that right?
2: Yeah, it was first news conference. I've done a few uh, TV interviews, but first, first news conference where I'm at a podium, yes.
1: Uh, so back in front of the microphone, back in the public eye, and you announced 268 capital projects for this construction season. It sounds like a lot, but maybe for listeners, can you put that into context? How does that compare to, you know, previous years or or maybe even other cities?
2: Um, from a project perspective, well, the the first comment on that is the the decree of transparency that we have around the projects that we deliver, comparing to other municipalities. Uh, and it's on our building.edmonton.ca website we provide details on essentially all of our capital infrastructure projects right from planning and design to to construction in terms of the number it's pretty consistent with the the number of projects that we del- delivered last year last year i believe it was 280 projects and from a dollar value perspective on average a billion dollars per year is has been consistent it's it's a really Ambitious uh, capital program, the 2019 to 2022 is is the largest that we've seen over my time at the city in terms of infrastructure spending. It it's it's doing a lot. It's um, over 110 kilometers of roadway being paved, uh, 12 neighborhoods that are being renewed. We've got uh, 13 playgrounds, sorry, that are, are being built new. Lots of infrastructure that's being renewed, and obviously some of the bigger projects like the Yellowhead Trail improvements. the the LRT expansion, and the Twilligar Drive expansion. We're really doing a lot to to build a great city through this program. Um, comparatively, across cities, I, I couldn't comment specifically, but what I can comment on and, and speak definitively to is just the the degree of information that we share with our citizens around the capital program and what we're working on.
1: Any bike lanes in there?
2: Well, bike lanes um, are are part of our, our neighborhood renewal program. So when we go through the neighborhood renewal program uh, uh, process, um, through that engagement and through uh, the active transportation plan, we'll make bike lane improvements in terms of um, stand alone. I don't believe we have any, but uh, certainly plans are underway. And and as part of the 23 to 26 budget discussion, I'm pretty sure that there'll be a, a recommendation for um, the next phase of that uh, bike grid.
0: You talk about openness in terms of capital projects and... You know, I go back to Andrew Nack's constant harping posts where he says things like overall 93% of the city's capital projects are on budget with 79% of them right on schedule. And I think you'd be hard pressed to find man on the street that has that same perception of Edmonton's capital projects. Why do you think there's such a discrepancy between the reality of our project budgeting and planning process and the public perception of how we're able to deliver projects.
2: To be candid, I've been trying to figure that out for a few years. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think part of it is just how projects are reported. It's easy to focus on some of the negatives and I've been in construction for years and the the suggestion or the notion that you're going to be perfect on infrastructure uh, delivery is a fallacy because you can't. When you get into construction, you're going to find some imperfect situations. You do your best to figure out how to mitigate those, but you're just not going to have 100% on time, 100% on budget. If you, if you wanted that, you would overinflate your estimates and then you'd basically prevent other projects from advancing. So the efforts that we've made as an organization, going again back to the build of the infrastructure department, we've taken significant steps to Im- improve our project delivery. And, and the proof is in how we're delivering over 90% on budget close to 80% on schedule for 200 to 300 projects delivered in a in a year. I think the other part of this that gets lost which is to me I think the more important conversation when it re- when it's relating to the projects we deliver is just what we're delivering. We're delivering infrastructure for a great city. The Walterdale Bridge, and I know that's always brought up as a challenging project, but the outcome of that project is phenomenal. It's a centerpiece for Edmonton now, and the neighborhood renewal projects that we do, where we we really transform our mature neighborhoods, maintain the mature component of them, but essentially rebuild the infrastructures to provide the modern amenities that you would want in your neighborhood. These are projects that really help us advance building a great city, implementing our city plan, and building a a city that's uh, accommodating that next million. And uh, and I'm not even touching on our LRT projects or the Blacksford redevelopment. I I, Honestly, I wish folks would focus more on what we're building um, than the measures that are related to on time on budget, because the steps that we've taken to address that are significant.
0: Not to put too fine of a point on that, but Instead of listening to your advice right there, let's talk about LRT projects and the metrics for on time and on budget. (laughs) Um, The Valley Line Southeast LRT is 89% complete as of March is what we've heard. And Mac and I both struggle to believe that stat. Um, Is the Southeast LRT really going to
1: open up this year? Or maybe not that stat, but just that that means that it's going to open by the end of the year. That's the part that feels a little like, really? Is it going to? Convince us, Adam, that it's going to open
2: by the end of the year. I'd like to be able to, um, but I'm going to start with this project. So this is a project that the city of Edmonton has actually transferred all design, build, operation, and maintain responsibilities to uh, a third party. So, so this is a, a P3. But you know, when you hear P3, what does that mean? Well, essentially. All responsibility for project delivery has been transferred to, in this case, uh, TransEd, the, the company TransEd that's a consortium of different companies. So the ultimate responsibility for delivery is, is on that consortium. So it's different than some of the other projects that I mentioned where we're really um, the, the the lead in terms of steering the project and the direction of the project. That has been transferred to TransEd. So TransEd has... Uh, run into some challenges that have been very public. They are responsible for delivering, uh, getting the system, first the construction completed, and then uh, getting the system uh, commissioned and operational. And on the basis of what they've provided us, they've identified that they would have that um, construction completed and the system commissioned and in service by late in 2021. Uh, Our folks have been working extremely hard to um, uh, provide the right guidance to them. But at the end of the day, it's the onus is on them to deliver, and our role it, is to really hold them accountable in delivering that. And if they don't deliver, then then there's significant impacts financially. I'm very hopeful that it opens in 2021, but again, it's on TransEd to make that happen.
0: One of the projects that wasn't 3 D and something that uh, a consortium of companies is responsible for is and I'm sorry to bring this up. The Metro Line LRT. You've been at the city a long time. This beleaguered project has probably been on your plate several times, and it's correct to say, as of about a month ago, it is operating fully to specification.
2: Is that correct? I would say that it's operating as intended. Uh, prior to that, uh, we were operating with a modified signaling system. Yes.
0: Um. So talk us through sort of what went wrong here. What were some of the key takeaways? And, you know, as head of integrated infrastructure, how are you going to take the lessons learned from the Metro line to say that this is never going to happen again? And what precisely are we preventing from happening
2: again? Uh, Great question. And in fact, uh, prior to the creation of the integrated infrastructure services department, there was an audit done by our city auditor, um, specifically on the Metro line, and it identified a few findings, areas for improvement, opportunities for improvement. And one of the big learnings from that is when you're in these large civil and and in this case, IT type of projects, is that where where they're directly linked to the outcome of a successful project, that the contracts shouldn't be separated. That you shouldn't have multiple contractors deliver. Originally, the um, signaling system was part of the civil work and it was separated. In the future, we take a real hard look at the notion of splitting out key components of a project for multiple contractors to deliver. Another big learning for us is that when you get into these larger complex projects that that do have multiple facets in terms of civil work and you know, essentially the signaling system is an IT project, you build in the time to ensure that your Giving the space for the designers and the uh, and the contractors to clearly understand the the risks and the scope of the work, to inform the expected delivery, um, or the expected delivery time or in-service time. I think a big learning there is uh, when you have a large complex project like that, that you uh, keep it as a holistic project and, and deliver it as as one project rather than splitting it into two. Integrated.
1: As it were. Integrated, yes, yes. In the title. <laughs> well, LRTs are projects that everybody knows about at the bridge you mentioned. You, uh, are there any like, small-ish projects that Edmontonians might not know about that you think are interesting in this year's uh, list of projects?
2: Well, one of the programs that was announced last year uh, was the Municipal Stimulus Program, the province uh, as part of trying to stimulate the economy. And through that program... We've uh, identified a number of different projects that we've added, so to speak. So there's a number of industrial neighborhoods that are their roads are being paved, which which helps those industrial areas in terms of economic activation. In terms of the tree canopy, we're we're planting close to an additional 3,000 trees this year through this municipal stimulus program. Which is really helping on that climate energy transition strategy in terms of building our tree canopy. We're starting the procurement for the consultant that's going to be brought on board to help with the uh, help design the warehouse campus park, the downtown park, uh, and we're also starting um, the phase two of the Kenistoa Park in in the quarters. So should also mention that uh, a big part of that MSP program and big part of the the Rapid Housing Initiative is that we're advancing uh, affordable housing sites, and our hope is that those will be ready for use next year. Other projects that that are exciting: the Jasper Avenue New Vision and the Imagine Jasper Avenue projects, which are really you know focused on creating Main Street on Jasper Avenue, um, are exciting. and And the One Hundred Fifth Avenue streetscape project is is underway as well, which also tries to create a a balance in terms of auto, pedestrian, and cycling. So those are exciting projects. And I've already mentioned the Yellowhead, but uh, lots of work on the Yellowhead this year as well.
0: So we've got a election coming up. And as a side note, I'm going to say I feel like I was misled because we asked you about interesting projects and you talk about like industrial road paving <laughs> and the Yellowhead and all these sorts of things. Where are the pet projects? I was told that City Hall had pet projects that were costing us all our money. But I digress on that point. I won't make you answer that. We also won't make you endorse anyone unless you were so inclined as you wanted to endorse someone for the 2021 election?
2: Uh, no. <laughs> good Good luck to all the candidates.
0: Um. So... On that note, then, you have worked as the city manager. You're still a deputy city manager. You're high up in the organization. And you, you're you going to have to work closely with council, and council is going to have to work closely with you. What is some of your advice to candidates such that they can become successful in the role because they're going to have to work with you?
2: I'll start by saying um, mayor and council have extremely challenging uh, jobs. They... they uh, they do a lot for the city and their roles are really challenging roles. And I, I, I think as the interim city manager, I, I got even more exposed to that um, just with with what they have on their plate and, and what they take on. So I I applaud folks that, that step up to pursue that because they, they're not easy roles. So I think my advice is, well, first off, embrace city plan. Um, it's a plan that Edmontonians provided input on. And this was uh, the plan, the strategic plan that Edmontonians wanted. So I think if, if councillors could embrace that plan and align their, their desired outcomes to that, it it will help everyone. The other piece of advice I would give them is just um, (laughs) trust the advice of administration. We, we have so many excellent people at the city of Edmonton that, that brings so much and are so passionate about delivering excellent service that um, it, w- we don't have a, an agenda other than to advance uh, council strategic goals, connect Edmonton, the city plan, and to provide excellent service. I, I think this administration works extremely hard to try and uh, serve citizens, serve council. And I, I think it's going to sound negative, but just take advantage of that. We're, we're here to serve. And so, Take us up on that.
0: Uh, We'd be remiss if we didn't ask you the question we've been asking everyone that comes on the show um, in high orders at the city, and that's the Talis Dome. What do you think? Perfect piece of art, trash, bubbles in a place no one should go. What are your thoughts?
2: I love it. I I think it's fantastic, and and, and I'll share a little story. Um, I had a great career at the city, and... I recommend working at the City of Edmonton to everyone and anyone. You can make a a fantastic career at the City of Edmonton just because of the 73 lines of business that we're in. There's so much that you can do working for the City of Edmonton, but I digress. Um, One of my roles at the City of Edmonton was um, I was the design um, project manager on the Quinnell Bridge, and as part of the Quinnell Bridge, the the Talus Dome was the art piece that supported that. Or, or was was funded by that project or, or was allocated, the funding was allocated from that project. And, and as the design project manager, um, I worked with the artist on the location for that art piece. So as we were trying to figure out, uh, you know, exactly what the art piece was and where it would fit, the artist actually sent me a couple of samples of what this art was going to look like. So I could get some context in terms of, what this was because at the time we didn't have a model or a, a mock-up of it and so when he sent them uh, to my surprise i showed up in the office and there were the two silver balls that would ultimately be the talis dome um so it gave me a better understanding of what this was going to look like and how big it was going to be and so uh, working with the artist the location that was selected uh, i was fortunate to be uh provided that opportunity to cite the location of the Talis Dome, obviously, in, in working with the artists. So I love it. I think, uh, you know, not everybody loves the art, but the fact that we're still talking about it is a testament to what art is, which is to to be a conversation piece. And I can't even remember when it went in, but we're still talking about it. So uh, I think it's great. So that's all we have for you,
0: Adam, but we like to give our guests a final opportunity. If there's anything you'd like to let our listeners know, give a shout out, go on some ranting to raid. Here's your space to do just that.
2: Well, I think uh, back to our earlier conversation. I think sometimes uh, folks get wrapped up in, especially when it comes to infrastructure, you know, how we're doing from an on time and on budget perspective. And again, the numbers speak for themselves. We're doing very well. Obviously, not all projects are going to be come off great, but they all come off great from a quality perspective. And I'd really encourage folks to really focus on the outcomes that we deliver because the infrastructure that we deliver is to enable a better life for all Edmontonians. And it does that. So I'd really like folks in the city to enjoy the infrastructure that we build and to focus on the outcomes uh, because we're, we're delivering some phenomenal infrastructure at the city of Edmonton for folks to enjoy. And and really, it does enable a better life for all of them.
1: I think to your point, people go across the Walterdale Bridge, they enjoy that bridge, people are on the hill, they're taking pictures, they're doing selfies, nobody's talking anymore
2: about whether it
1: was on budget or on time or not, right?
2: Exactly. It's uh, I, I I love that bridge. And uh, it, it's one of my highlights. I was fortunate to be involved in the concept planning a little bit in the design, and then fortunate to be the the deputy city manager leading the department that ultimately delivered the project. And so many people to thank for for that project because it is, uh, it is a wonderful addition to the city of Edmonton.
0: You know, we're talking about the bridge. I have to ask because part of the concept of the Walterdale Bridge was there was supposed to be a path on the water, I believe. And that never came to
2: materialize.
0: Is that still ongoing? Is that still part of the project? Do you know anything about what I'm talking
2: about? I do. Um, it's it's not actually part of the project. It's a different project. It's called Touch the Water, and Touch the Water is a project that actually our folks are are working on right now. Uh, we're due to provide council an update committee or committee of council an update uh, in June, and essentially it's uh, some concepts that we've developed, how you know options that are available to create that um, Touch the Water experience um on the on the on the north side of the river adjacent to the Walterdale Bridge so in the Rossdale area so that's that's still underway and it's in the design phases and if there's a funding available and it would be considered uh, for construction in the as 2023 to 2026 budget cycle so I believe there's plans on our website if you want to take a look at it but uh, if they're not up yet the, it'll be part of a, a presentation to committee of Council in June
0: thanks so much for joining us and talking with us i'm sure our listeners will
2: get a big kick out of this i hope so thanks for thanks for the time
0: speaking municipally is a proud member of the alberta podcast network locally grown community supported and this episode is brought to you by shift podcast by alberta innovates shift showcases the work being done in the province's innovation ecosystem everything from health to clean energy Join hosts Katie Dean and John Hagen as they interview the researchers, entrepreneurs, and businesses that are shifting our perspective about innovation in the province. For example, our recent episode features Lessons in Leadership with Service Credit Union President and CEO Garth Warner. Find Shift Podcast by Alberta Innovates on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find it at shift.albertainnovates.ca. That's shift.albertainnovates.ca. Until next week, I'm Troy. I'm Mac. And I'm Adam. And we're Speaking Speaking municipally. Municipally.